Hello and welcome to the first New Agriculturist podcast of 2012. Now, if a friend were to ask you, what's the million dollar question for agricultural research this year? What would be your answer? I expect for a lot of us, it would be to do with funding. How will we get the money to fund our next research project, our crop development plans, that livestock intervention we feel passionately about? Well, at New Agriculturist, we try to address some of the big questions. So we're going to hear first from Haven Lee, a senior programme officer in agricultural development with the Gates Foundation. She spoke to Susanna Thorpe about how the Gates Foundation saw its role and its position in agricultural development over the next few years. We want to do two things. One of our sweet spots and one of the things that we think we do best, you know, being a donor that sits almost halfway across the world from the farmers that we're supporting, is to work upstream in new research and development to improve the productive potential of certain technologies and seeds and implements to increase labor productivity. We want women to influence that agenda, i.e. we want to be making sure that the research and development agenda, both outside of the developing world and inside of it, is being responsive to the priorities that women farmers need, i.e. if it's seeds that enable women to have a shorter time on farm weeding, if it's seeds that cook for a shorter period of time but taste great so their families will eat them but have less time for them in the kitchen, fantastic. So we want to make sure that those priorities are included in the agenda. And then we want what we want to do further downstream on farm is make sure that each and every one of our grantees is developing smart strategies to get these factors of production into the hands of women. So we have a variety of different grantees working on everything from, you know, extension to soil health to water to post-harvest solutions. And we want to work with and really champion grantees who are smart about finding ways to get those, those projects to access and to benefit women. Haven Lee of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation speaking on the phone with Susanna Thorpe. And if you want to know more of what she said, just click on the Perspective page in the latest edition of New Agriculturist. Looking at some of the other articles in the latest edition, I'm going to go first to the development section and an article about vitamin A-rich cassava, which has recently been released in Nigeria. Balanle Adeyemo is the head of SAWEC, an NGO which works to empower women in Nigeria. She spoke recently to New Agriculturist correspondent Avese Asso about why she feels that enriching cassava with vitamin A is so important. I see the health of the children in the villages at a very, very bad state compared to my own children who live in the city. And I've always known that we need to do something about their feeding. Uh, many times I've tried to buy beans to supplement their food, but how much beans can I afford to buy? So when I heard of vitamin A, cassava, I was so excited and I came on board to partner with the group, the Harvest Plus. And so far this year, I gave out six hectares of my farmland to take part in the multiplication exercise. She has also done some research to find out about current levels of vitamin A in people's diets. I interviewed my members, who are members of the cooperative, how much of vitamin A they take. And one of them asked me, what are the foods that produces it? I said, okay, let's look at onions, for example. How much onions do you consume? And they said, when it's cheap, yes. But when it's expensive, it's completely off. 
And during dry season, most vegetables, even farmers at the village levels, do not have enough vegetables to eat. Yeah, federal government has tried to introduce vitamin A, but of course, the price of a tablet is 100 naira. None of these rural dwellers can afford a tablet of vitamin A in a month. And so the major profit to me is to see that these children in the rural areas, the pregnant women are well-fed and will produce better population that can produce wealth for this nation. So have the children started benefiting from what you're doing? Well, not quite. Because as I said, we are still at the stage of multiplication. But the parents are already very excited because I work with children. And they know that whatever I bring is for the good of the children. So every household is excited, expectant. When dissemination exercise will start 2013. Bolan Le talking to Avese Asso. Also in the development section, there's an article on aqua shops. These are a new initiative in Kenya to support aquaculture, and they've been introduced through the Research into Use program in partnership with Farm Africa. Pius Sauer attended the grand opening of the aqua shops in Western Kenya and spoke to Dr. Paul Otuoma, Kenya's former Minister of Fisheries Development, and to two of the newly trained aqua shop owners. He asked Dr. Otuoma to give his opinion on the new aqua shops. When we see these aqua shops coming in to give inputs in aquaculture, I feel very much encouraged to say that this program is really taking off because it must be self sustaining. People must be able to make money from it. People must be able to be productive other than people saying, where do I get a net, where do I get a liner, where do I get feed, even oxygen if you are selling fingerlings. So from these aqua shops, they'll be able to get all those kind of inputs that are required for aquaculture. My name is Arafeit Bluma, operating an aqua shop in Namboboto. How was it before you got into aqua shop training? We had so many problems in feeding our fish. First, we are using the rice brand. Nowadays, I normally feed them on pellets after my training. How will these aqua shops ensure that the products are genuine? I have been trained. I know when the supplier brings the supply, I'll have to check the date, date of manufacture and date of expiry. And what advice do farmers, fish farmers seek? They want to know which type of feeds they're supposed to feed their fish at a different stage. Fish sometimes they're supposed to be treated. When they, you have to monitor the behavior of the fish. When the fish is sick, it moves backward or sideways. So you are supposed to teach farmers how to treat them. My name is Rafael Wakawere, operating at Oboch Base in Yabondo. Since this introduction of like Farm Africa, what Farm Africa did to us, they brought us together with the suppliers of some of these uh, fish farm inputs. Predators like birds, they have really affected us. But now that we have nets that can cover the tops of fish ponds, or the twines that we can use at least protect our ponds or our fish, that is really an advantage to us. Rafael Awakaweri and Faith Baluma, pleased with the training they've had and the high-quality inputs that are going to help them serve the needs of fish farmers in Western Kenya. The final story I'd like to pick up on from the latest edition of New Agriculturist also comes from Kenya, but a much drier area, like Kipia, which lies on the leeward, drier side of Mount Kenya. 
there's a section in the latest edition focusing on ecosystem services, and one of these articles features farmers in Lycipia who have begun cultivating medicinal plants, especially trees like Prunus africana. Geoffrey Onditi recently visited the area to find out more, and he spoke to Maxwell Lumbasi, who's the business development manager at the company Desert Edge. The company is supporting farmers in growing the medicinal plants and is providing a market for them. Lumbasi explains more. We started the domestication of indigenous medicinal plants. This is aimed first to find out how much we can able to earn. Then these farmers can now start planting these medicinal plants as an additional crop, and they can able to earn extra money. You are also encouraging them to preserve the environment. Yes. yes. Has this been achievable or will it be now, achievable? It, it is going to be achievable in the long run. Conservation must be an holistic approach where, first, unless there is an initiative for people to benefit from a standing tree, mm. they can't conserve that environment. Mm. So what we do, we do the costing and find out how much will it the benefit for a standing tree compared to the one that they have cut for charcoal. And then when you realize that you benefit more by having one standing then people can able to conserve the environment. Ten kilometers from Nanyuki Market, I visited a trial site owned by Tigithi Aloe Group. This group was started in 2006 with the aim of promoting aloe vera growing. However, its members have had to diversify by growing indigenous trees and other medicinal plants. I met Simon Washira, who is the chairman Tigithi Aloe Group, and he is enthusiastic about this venture. Very soon after being harvested, the leaves, the whatever, the roots, we shall be making money. And this money will be going back to the farmers. Where do you see this kind of business in the future? Of uh, conserving the environment by planting indigenous trees and probably selling them? Well, if it goes well, I think uh, in the near future we shall be very comfortable because the plants that we are planting here is uh, life. Not a matter of uh, planting today and tomorrow, cutting it down until you finish the trees. We have also been trained on the porading. That is, you don't have to fall the whole tree mm. if in need. Just go and cut the branches, fall, and harvesting of leaves. If these things are going to get the proper market, our group in the uh, near future, we shall be getting real money. Simon Wachira, the chair of Tigithi Aloe Group in Laikipia, Kenya. And that brings an end to this somewhat commercially-minded podcast. We began with how a donor chooses to allocate its funds, and we've ended with the real money that farmers hope to earn from their agricultural development. So I guess it's a good time to wish you a prosperous and successful 2012. From Mike Davison at The New Agriculturist, goodbye.